Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Hey, good morning, Rescue Church. I want to say welcome to each and every one of you in all of our multi-site locations. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. Thank you for doing what you do. It's great having you here this weekend. How about we start off with a really deep question, all right? We're going to go deep right off the bat here. here. Here's a question, and you don't have to raise your hand to this, but how many of you have ever pondered the question, why am I here? I'm not talking about why am I here at church today when I could be somewhere else. I'm talking about what am I doing in this life? Why am I on this earth? What is my purpose? Is there a purpose? I would contend that is probably the biggest question that as human beings we wrestle with on an ongoing basis. And I will also tell you this personally, I believe with all my heart that there are answers to those questions. I believe that God desires for us to know his will and in his word, the word of God in the Bible, he has told us why we're here and what our purpose is and we can actually know that like that doesn't have to be some mysterious mystical thing like he actually wants us to know our purpose and what his will for our life is and so today when we open the scripture to John chapter 15 in just a moment like this is going to be one of those passages that very clearly points us in the direction of some things that God wants for us and and wants from us And so, man, if you're struggling with, like, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? I hope that this is just an extremely practical message for your life as we continue to preach through the book of John, the fourth gospel in the New Testament. Here's how we're going to approach this today. We're going to cover John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, and and here's the, the plan of attack for today. I'm going to read through the entire chunk of scripture in its, in its entirety, the whole thing, so it'll get a little bit long because there's 17 verses, and then when that's done, we're going to go back and, and draw some observations out of this passage. Now, I'm, I'm titling this message, The Purpose in Pruning. How many, how many gardeners do we have in the house today? Raise your hands if you love to do gardening I hate gardening. Like, I think you guys are crazy, uh, but this is, this will be a, a great passage for people who love to work with plants because you'll, you'll understand the importance of this. We're going to talk about sometimes God prunes our life and, and how that can be a painful process and yet how it's ultimately for our good and for his glory. So here we go. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Uh, By the way, here's the context. It's the Last Supper. Jesus is having some final words with his disciples. So there's a lot of these recent chapters we've been in is Jesus teaching and talking to his disciples. So this is a one-way monologue from Jesus, okay? There's, There's really no conversation here other than Jesus speaking to his disciples. And here's what he says in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I love this next verse. He says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Hey, church, let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer before we go any further this morning. God in heaven, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity to share your word with these people as we've heard the words of Jesus spoken over our lives and over this church today, God, as I get ready to just unpack and, and explain a little bit of this, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully in our hearts and in our lives, that you would say to us what you want us to hear and what you want us to know today, Jesus. We welcome you into our presence, and Holy Spirit, we just invite you to have whatever room that you need to work in our hearts today. Do what you need to do. And speak to us now, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Well, okay, 17 verses. We covered a lot. There are several things that I want to highlight. If you've got your handouts and if you're following along with me, here's the first observation that I want to draw out of this passage of Scripture, okay? And that is this, if you want to write this down. I have been chosen to bear fruit. You remember I, I started this with the question, why are we here? Like, what is your purpose? And we heard Jesus toward the end of that uh, scripture talk about that we didn't choose him, he chose us. We have been chosen for multiple things, and, and we see several of them in these verses we read. But the first one I just want to draw your attention to is this. I have been chosen to bear fruit. Like, God's will for my life is that I would produce spiritual fruit that, that shows the world that I really am a Christ follower. Now, just an interesting uh, scripture, if you want to write this down, you can go look at it at another time, but Galatians chapter 5, I believe like verse 22 and 23, uh, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So you can go look that up on your own, it's a great scripture to memorize, but Jesus is going to list several of those in, in this conversation with the disciples but let's talk about this idea of being a fruit bearer or a fruit producing follower of Jesus Christ. 
just a few observations from, from that passage of Scripture. I would first want to point out this, that, that true life only comes from Jesus Christ, um, that, that a fruit-producing life can only be found in and through Jesus. He said these words. I'll, I'll remind you of what we just read. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And so before we go any farther in this conversation, it just needs to be said that if we try to have a life that, that has meaning and impact and purpose outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, there really is no life there. You can try really hard to be a good person and do good works, but outside of a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, it's meaningless. That it's when we are connected to the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. When our life is flowing out of that relationship with Jesus Christ, we're in a position to bear fruit. I also want to point out what, what we heard Jesus say, and that's that God will prune certain parts of my life in order that I will bear more fruit for him. And I find it interesting, there's two different types of branches, essentially, Jesus said, that, that God prunes. Now, again, in, in Jesus' original audience, like, in this day, they would have absolutely connected with this analogy, like, because it was very common for, for them to have the grape vines in their culture, and, and so people understood this word picture. We might not work with grape vines as much today, but, but what people of Jesus' time understood, his disciples understood, is, oh, we get it. We know what he's talking about. In grapevines, if there's a branch that's not producing fruit at all, we're going to cut that off. The gardener will come and prune that off because it's not fruitful. It's actually taking strength away from the rest of the vine, and it's not bearing fruit. But then a good gardener knows that even when there's a branch that is producing fruit, sometimes that branch gets pruned back in order that it will produce even more fruit in the future. And I want to talk about those two different things real quick, those two different kinds of branches. Jesus said he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. I wonder if I'm speaking to any fruitless branches in the body of Christ today. I wonder if there's some fruitless branches in your life that God would desire and he very well may cut out of your life because it bears no fruit. Maybe I'm speaking to someone that your entire life is, to use this analogy, a branch that is disconnected from the vine. It, it could be that I'm speaking with someone today that, like, you are fruitless because you absolutely reject Jesus Christ on all levels. You refuse to acknowledge him, you refuse to listen to him, you refuse to accept him, and as a result, there's no life of Jesus flowing through you. There's no fruit. Jesus said, if that's your life, the day is coming that that branch will be cut off. And it will be thrown away. There's nothing good in that branch. It will be thrown away and burned, Jesus said. I really believe that's a, a Jesus giving, uh, uh, referencing a literal hell. For those that reject Jesus Christ altogether and have no source of life in the vine, the day is coming that, that God will say to us, your will be done. You wanted no part of me. You rejected me. You can depart from me for all eternity because I never knew you. You never received me. So there's maybe I'm speaking to someone in our church today that is a fruitless life completely because you're, you're so cut off from the life of Jesus Christ. But I believe that could be talking about Christians who profess Jesus with their mouth, 
They give lip service to Jesus, and yet there's no evidence in their life that they really have a relationship with him. They might have the bumper sticker on the back of their car. You know, they might wear the Christian t-shirt and even know how to speak some Christianese, if you will. The, the Christian language. They know the cliches. And yet, at the end of the day, there's really no evidence in their life that there's fruit. If you will, it's, it's like a branch that's all leaves and no fruit. And I believe Jesus is saying that God will come along and prune those branches out of our life that don't produce and bear fruit. Or maybe it's a branch that at one time claimed profession of faith in Jesus Christ and yet has just so drifted away, even to the point of now rejecting Christ and wanting nothing to do with Christ. It, it's sad for me, but I, I look back over my years growing up in the church and in ministry, and sadly I could make a very long list of people that that would describe their life. At one time, they appeared to be a fruit-bearing branch in the vine of Christ, if you will. But now, they've, they've completely become fruitless. And God says, essentially, Jesus is saying this, that uselessness invites disaster. The fruitless branch is on its way to destruction. And I believe God does that not only because he loves us, but because he's God and he's holy. And, and essentially, think about this. I, I just want to come at this from another angle. Think about how there's so many things in our life we give our life to. We give so much of our time to things that at the end of the day are going to make very little difference for eternity. It's not fruit that will last. It's fruit that's so temporary. And, and I believe there's times where God just says, I want to cut some of that out of your life. This isn't bearing any fruit. You know, as I was walking today, I had this thought like um, about this passage, another passage of Scripture, where it, it, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about the, the day is coming that all of our life will be tested by fire. All of our works. And he uses this picture of only the things that are pure, that like the pure gold and the pure gemstones, those will survive the fire. But all this other stuff, the wood, the hay, the, the straw, the rubble, it will be burned up. It will be for nothing. It will have no value in eternity. Only what's done for Christ will last. And see, I think God desires that when we stand before him in eternity, there's fruit that will last for all eternity. And so in this life, he sometimes prunes away those fruitless branches in our life. But Jesus, he went on to say that not only does God cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit, he says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Have you ever been in a season of God's pruning in your life, even when you can point to things and go, there's fruit there's evidence that this is being done for the right reason and God's using it and yet it seems to be that he's cutting things back and there's loss that goes along with that. I can relate to that. Just being fully transparent, like I'm in a season, I feel like I'm in a season of God's pruning in my life right now and I've been there before and, and it's just not always the most pleasant thing. And yet sometimes God steps into areas of our life that at one time were producing fruit and he cuts stuff back in order that there will be even more fruit. I can't always explain it. I just know Jesus says it's a real thing, that I have been chosen to bear fruit for God's kingdom, fruit that will last, things that will matter. And sometimes as a part of that fruit-bearing process, 
there's pruning that happens where God cuts things away. He cuts the dead stuff out of my life, and he cuts the time-wasting things out of my life, and he even cuts at times the fruitful things out of my life in order that my life will bear more fruit for him. Well, here's another observation from the scripture we read today, and that's this. I have been chosen for love. There's, there's a lot that Jesus said in that passage of Scripture about the Father's love for us. And what a fitting day on Father's Day to be talking about this. And if we can just be real for a moment, let's be honest that some people, Father's Day is a great celebration of, of their human father, and it, it's a day of deep meaning. And, and yet for other people, Father's Day can be a very painful day. It can be a reminder of a relationship that never existed possibly It can be a reminder of a very distant, cold, aloof relationship with a dad who was impossible to please. It could be a reminder of an earthly father that was angry and abusive. For some of us, Father's Day is not necessarily a celebration of our earthly dad. But here's what I want you to know. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus talks about the Father's love. God the Father. And and check it out, that when it comes to the love of God, we are both the recipients of God's love, and then he expects us also to be distributors of God's love. So let's just talk about those real briefly. Um, I believe maybe God brought someone to church this weekend, especially on a Father's Day. Maybe especially when that wound, that emptiness is there. He brought you here to remind you that, well, we have earthly fathers, and regardless of how good or bad of a job they did, every one of our earthly fathers has failed us on some level because they're not perfect, and yet we have a Father in heaven who is perfect, and he loves you with a perfect Love, an unconditional love that is not because you and I are lovable, but because He is love. That's who He is. That that we serve a Father who is proud of us, even in our most embarrassing moments of failure. He still loves us, He accepts us, He wants to be with us, He wants a relationship with us. And we don't have to try and impress Him, like He's just proud of us because of our identity as His kids. And he loves us perfectly. There's a God in heaven today who loves you. And he's not remote and distant and aloof and unpleasable. He's a God who wants to know you. And he's a God that wants you to be a recipient of his love. But then, check it out, church. Not only do we have this amazing blessing of being the recipient, we've been chosen by God to be loved by God. We've also been chosen to distribute God's love to other people. We're not told in Scripture that our job is to go out into the world and condemn the world. Hey, everyone with maybe a Facebook account, lean into that. Maybe I should repeat what I just said. We have not been called by God to go out into the world, whether it's in person or through our keyboard, and condemn the world because of all their sin. We've not been called by God to go out into the world and win arguments. You know, sometimes I'll see these little videos come through my Facebook feed and it's, you know, the title is something about watch this Christian completely destroy this atheist with this argument. And even if what they're saying is true, man, that headline is not what we're called to do. We're not called to go out and destroy people with arguments. We're not called to compete with our brothers and sisters in Christ 
to be bigger or better than the church across town or the church on the other side of the country. Like we have been called to go out into the world and be distributors of the love of God so that other people will know that there's a God in heaven and he loves them. And we're, we're on the giving end of that because we, we let the love of God flow through us. We've been chosen for love. Here's another observation from that text. I have been chosen for joy. I love this. I'm going to go back up and, and read it here. Um, and I don't keep my, I don't put the numbers in the verses here. So I got to go back. Okay, here it is. Jesus said, my joy, I, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's where I'm getting that from, where I say we've been chosen for joy. Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Can I just make this statement? Um, I believe that Wherever you find someone who is a gloomy, depressed, dark Christian, you have just found an an oxymoron. I'm not calling them a, a moron. I'm saying it's a huge contradiction in terms. It's basically like saying, hey, look, I have a relationship with the all-knowing, all-loving, all-forgiving, all-powerful God of the universe who has chosen me to love me, to adopt me, to, to use my life to bear fruit for his kingdom. I have a purpose, and I'm miserable. I'm one of the most miserable people you've ever met. It's a huge contradiction in terms. Now, here's, here's what I'm not saying. Lean into this. What I'm not saying is that as, as Christians, we never experience real human emotions of sorrow and loss and grief and betrayal and fear. It's not to say that we never endure those things, that we never have pain. By the way, Jesus experienced every one of those real emotions. And it's not to say that, that when we experience those emotions that, that we're just expected to put on some plastic facade and, and not be real with people around us about, man, I'm hurting right now, I'm struggling right now, and, and, and somehow have to come off as this fake person that, oh, everything's great, when everything's not great. It's possible to have the joy of the Lord in our hearts and in our lives, even in the midst of those trials and even in the midst of those heartaches, because as we learned last week, the joy of the Lord is not dependent upon external circumstances. Happiness can be dependent on external circumstances. I can be unhappy about a situation. Uh, things can happen around me that challenge my happiness, but really there's nothing that can come into my life that will destroy my joy and my peace in the Lord because it's available. It's not dependent upon external circumstances. And so even as I tell you, like, look, I'm going through some stuff in my life right now. I I feel like God's doing some pruning in my life. There's some pain and some loss and some grief that probably needs to be processed. But guess what? I can honestly say with a genuine heart, I have joy in the Lord. The best is truly yet to come. It's not always going to be this way. I've been chosen for joy. And that's not just some empty words, friends. That's straight from the, the mouth of Jesus We can have his joy, and our joy can be complete. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, by the way. It's one of the evidences that God really is alive in us, is that even in the midst of difficult times, we can have joy. Here's another observation, if you'll write this down. I have been chosen to be God's friend. Jesus said that in that passage. He said, you know, you're not not my servants. You're more than that. You're, You're my friends. 
We serve a God who is not distant and aloof. We serve a God who wants a personal, intimate relationship with us where we know him. By the way, we touched on this last week, but I'm just going to say it again. Like, If we really have a friendship with someone, it's, it's kind of evident that we want to spend time with them because they're our friend. I would just ask the question, like, is God your friend? Do you know him like that? Do you seek his presence? Do you desire to be with him? Not only when things are going bad in your life and you, now you need him, but, but in the good times where you just share your life with him and you bring God into your life through gratitude and through joy and through all of the fun things in life as well. And I, I, You know, sometimes in, in the difficult seasons we remember just how much we need God and then when things get better, we kind of drift because we start thinking, well, I, I'm, I'm good. He wants to be our friend who sticks closer than any brother ever could through thick and thin, through the hard times, through the good times, and we can know him. I I just would ask the question today, do you know Jesus like that? Is he your friend? Jesus said, I'm here to call you my friend. I've chosen you to be more than a servant, more than a slave to me. I've chosen you and called you to be my friend. And then finally, I love this last one. I'm just going to park on this for a moment uh, before we close If you want to write this down, I have been chosen to be an ambassador of the king. I love that word, ambassador, because of what it represents. Jesus said at the very end of that that scripture we read, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last Church, we have not been called by God to retreat from the world. Sometimes we see that in Christian circles. We see Christians that just want to hold up inside their bomb shelter with all their food and ammunition and pray for the return of Jesus and retreat from the world because the world is big and evil and dark. It is that very world that Christ has called us to infiltrate, to embrace, to take the love of Jesus there and represent him. That's what an ambassador does. And Jesus is saying, hey, church, guess what? I have called you to go out into the world and represent me to the world. And by the way, what that looks like is you're going to have a life that bears fruit. Fruit that will last. You're going to have a life that actually impacts things far beyond your life. You're going to be used by me in such a way that your life touches other people, that the effects of that will last for all eternity, far beyond your own physical lifespan. Like that's God's will for us to be an ambassador. We've been chosen for that. So here's how I want to close out. We're going to get real practical here. Um, Every one of the three things that we say in our vision is covered in this text of scripture. Uh, By the way, the vision statement of the rescue church is simply this. Our vision is to impact our communities by helping people know Jesus, grow in faith, and go serve others. So check it out. Know Jesus. I, to me, like that is the Christian life simplified in those three words. To know, grow, and go. To know Jesus. Here's my question based on this scripture. Is your life flowing out of the vine, which is Jesus? Are you really a branch that is woven in to the lifeblood of Jesus Christ? Or are you a fruitless branch that is disconnected from him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Secondly, to grow. Like, are you a growing Christian? Are you a fruit-bearing Christian? Like, can you look around in your life and point to evidence that says, yes, 
I'm not doing it perfectly. I sin every day. I have my flaws and my failures and my blind spots. But yes, I can point to some things in my life where God's fruit is evident. The fruit of the Spirit is flowing through me. It's evident in my life. Are you a growing Christian? Now, I really want to focus on this last one of going. Because if we're bearing fruit, then I believe if we're really ambassadors for the kingdom of Christ, we will be a church that's mobilized to go. And I would just ask this question, in what way are you going as an ambassador for the kingdom of Christ and and sharing the love of God with others in the world? Here's a very practical homework assignment I want to point your attention to. This summer, our desire as a church is to really get back to some outreach in our communities. And as a staff and as leaders, we've talked about different ways of doing that. Here's what I can tell you. Just if we were to get out the church calendar, I can tell you that like in August, we've got a couple big events that we're joining our communities for in Flandreau and Coleman. And so in in those campuses, you're going to hear us talking more about like the big events, right? Looney days over in Coleman and park days in Flandreau. And we've kind of been tempted to sit around and invent some big events to put on the calendar and say, hey, everybody, we're going to do this big event and we're going to call it outreach. But, but church, check this out. This summer, here's, what, here's, here's the direction we're going. We recognize that we're in a busy time of the year. We're in a busy culture. And rather than us loading up your calendar with more events and, and asking you to come and do something at this set time, What I want you to notice is that on the back of our handouts today, we've got a list compiled. And this is just suggestions. All kinds of different practical ideas of simple, affordable, creative ways that you can reach out in your community and share the love of Jesus with people. By encouraging them, by providing for them, by loving on them. And so here's here's my challenge. Through the summer, especially June and July... My challenge for the rescue church is I want you to look at those things and I want you to do every one of them every day. No, I'm just joking. Like, I just want you to look at that list and say, what are some ways that would fit me, fit my personality, fit our family? What are some ways that we can go and love our community? And can we just believe that God will work through that, a church that's reaching out into our community in simple, practical ways as ambassadors of the king? Can we believe that there will be fruit that comes from that? That someday, not just here in this life, but someday in eternity, somebody's testimony would be, hey, you know what? The reason I'm here today is because the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for me, but I've never heard that message until at this point in human history, there was a church called the Rescue Church, and someone from that church showed up on my doorstep and delivered a plate of cookies with no strings attached and just said, hey, I just want you to know it's great being your neighbor. And that started a relationship, and I got to know the Lord Jesus Christ because of that one simple act. You see what I'm talking about when I say fruit that will last for all eternity? What if God would use our church this summer to help people know Jesus, to grow in their faith, and to go serve others? There's a purpose in God's pruning sometimes in our life, and it's that we would go out and be more fruitful. So here's, here's what I can tell you in the weeks to come, you're going to have an opportunity to share like some reports of of how this is going in your life. Like I want to know, I want to hear stories and we're going to celebrate those stories as the people of this church, 
actually do these things and go out in our community and serve others. So I look forward to seeing what God is going to do with that in the days ahead. Church, I love you. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer today. God in heaven, it's, it's so wonderful to gather with your people and uh, to gather around your word. I thank you for this truth that we've heard from Jesus today, that you have called us and chosen us to be fruit-producing disciples that we would go out in the world as your ambassadors that have been chosen to be loved by you, that we have your joy, that we have your faithful friendship, and out of that position of strength and power that comes from you, not from us, we go out into the world and distribute your love to others. We give the fruit away and we produce more fruit in our lives, fruit that will last. Lord, I pray for this church in this season. I don't always understand what you're doing and how you're pruning. And Lord, sometimes those pruning moments in our lives cause disappointment and confusion and, and, and sadness even. As, as you cut things away, it's not always a, a painless process. Lord, sometimes it's very painful. But I thank you that you, God, are the master gardener and that your ultimate goal for us is good. It's, it's to produce and to bear fruit. I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone in any of our campuses this weekend that's never trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they come into that relationship with the vine, the vine of life, that we would have a life that flows out of you, Jesus, that today would be the day that someone puts their faith and trust in you and asks you to forgive them for their sin and, and establish that friendship. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that's growing in our spiritual walk with you, that more and more our lives would look and like and reflect Jesus to the world around us. And then with this simple outreach idea that we're going to be embarking on as a church family and all of our campuses, God, I pray that you would just use us. Lord, help us see that we don't always have to do the big and the outrageous, that sometimes it's just through the simple, intentional acts that you will have some of the greatest impact in the lives of people. And I pray that in the days ahead, even in the summer, when attendance kind of slips down and people are so busy, that even in the summer, Lord, you would let us see fruit that, that comes in growth that happens because of how our people are out in our community serving others. Lord, you get all the praise and the honor and the glory for how you use this message. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.